Love you, Clint. Man, uh, shoot, dang. I'm not one of those people that preach better than him, so that's, there you go. Uh, man, like you said, my name's Nolan. Uh, I, uh, yeah, so I met Clint through, through my wife, but uh, they, they kind of went to the same, same church growing up, and um, we, my wife and I have been married for five. We're working on year six, you know, kind of thing. We just, and uh, that's kind of where I met Clint Stephanie, is just as I, because I grew up in Oklahoma. So it was through getting married that I got to meet them. But um, man, I, uh, gosh, being able to be talked about is weird uh, because, you know, part of, part of saying thank you uh, for being here is an opportunity just to look at you guys and say, uh, man, if, <laughs> if you haven't, if you don't know this yet, your pastor's are absolutely some of the most intentional, uh, relational human beings I've ever met in my entire life. And the reason that he has watched me grow is because he, like he said, he was on the front row uh, seat to watch, but he was not, to me, Clint was not watching, uh, or nor is he now, but he is actively investing in my life and pouring into me to make me the person that you get to celebrate. So thank you for being a part of my life, Stephanie. You guys are incredible. You've been a, a, a rock in my faith, not the rock, because Jesus is, is my rock, but you've been a core part of my life, and, and I appreciate that, always calling me to encourage me. And uh, not only to encourage me, but you call and you ask me how I'm doing. And, and if, if you haven't, if Clint or Stephanie has not called you and to say, hey, how are you? Uh, I promise you that day's coming. And when they do, they're not just asking you because they just want to know how your day is. They're calling you because they genuinely want to love on you and, and, and to invest in your life. And that's exactly what they've done. And, and when something's not going right, Clint is the first person to say, hey, man, uh, you know, how you doing? And I can tell him, and he says, okay, let me rephrase the question because you said you're good. How are you doing? you know, uh, and then and can admonish me and encourage me as well, but also call me out and say, hey, let's, let's work on this. And I, I'm just so grateful for, for tonight. So I love you guys. Thank you. Love you and your family. But uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts tonight. And uh, so if you've got a hard copy of God's word, or if it's on your phone, wherever it might be, it'll be on the screen too in a second, but uh, we're going to be in Acts. And if uh, I'll take this opportunity just to teach a little bit. Uh, so I'll preach some, but I'm going to try to teach you some things. I think one of my favorite passions is, is to let people leave differently than they came in. So I don't know what you brought in here, uh, but my prayer is as we sang it, that you believed it, that you, br- you would bring those things to the feet of Jesus. And that for a moment that you would let your, your heart and your mind um, be, be encouraged, but also to be, to be taught. Uh, and so uh, not only do I want to encourage you, but I also want to teach you some things. I love, I teach students, right? So I do student ministry for the most part. And teenagers today, they just don't know the things that I, you know, I grew up in church, so I know all the Bible songs. I know all the Bible stories. Teenagers today, man, they don't know those things. They're completely unchurched. Wednesday nights for them is their only gig. And uh, so I get to teach them the word. So maybe I can do that for y'all this evening as well. But um, Luke is the author of Acts. Uh, and if, you, if you're not familiar, there's four gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Luke also writes the gospel of John, his accounts of the life of Jesus, but he also writes Acts. And uh, when they would write, they didn't have... They didn't have a printing press, you know, which is, you know, our grandparents had. My, but like they, you know, now I got the Google Drive, right? I'm, I'm teaching off an iPad tonight, right? So I got my backup notes, but it's, everything's digital today, right? Let alone the cloud, right? They didn't have anything. They wrote on papyrus paper. And a scroll was about 30 feet long. And about 30 feet, it would get heavy. It would be hard to carry. So they would have to start another scroll. And about the time that Jesus is ministry on earth is ending. Luke's gospel, his accounts, is getting to the end of that papyrus <laughs> scroll. And so he stops there and begins another one. So his continuation of Luke, Luke 2, if you would almost, is the book of Acts. So where Luke 24 ends 
is with the ascension of Jesus, where as, as after he goes to the grave, he dies, he defeats death, he comes back to life, he lives with the disciples for a couple of days and teaches them about the kingdom of God, and then he ascends into heaven and he sends the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, the last book of Luke, ends with that. Acts 1, anybody want to take a wild guess where it starts? The ascension of Jesus, right? It's a continuation of Luke. So that's where we're going to be tonight as we look at um, the ascension of Jesus and, and as the Holy Spirit comes to disciples. So I'm going to read out of Acts 1. Uh, it says this, he, before I do, he writes to a guy by the name of, of Theophilus. Another moment here. Theophilus, some scholars think, okay, Theophilus actually means lover of God. Okay, so that translates directly lover of God. So maybe he's writing to Christians as a whole, right? Collectively, the body of Christ. Uh, but most scholars believe that he's actually writing to an individual, an actual guy, potentially maybe a Roman convert, uh, a guard or, or an individual in Rome that's now a believer. But this is what he says in Acts chapter one, rather gay, he says, in the first book, again, referring to Luke, his gospel, O Theophilus, in the first book, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So at the cross, after that, following the moment that Jesus defeats the grave, he spends 40 days finding his disciples, collecting them, and, and begins to tell them what's going to happen next. Like, what is the next step for the church? And he teaches them about the kingdom of God. And this is what it says in verse four. Here's the promise. While staying with them, he ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And we'll get to that question in a minute. But he said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me pray for us. God, would you give us a heart and a mind that, that would uh, be willing to learn? God, I pray as we leave here tonight, we would not leave the same way that we came in. God, I'm not asking for us to, to have some crazy, miraculous, wild uh, just exchange of, of, of you. But if that's what you want to do, God, I, that would be awesome. But all I'm simply asking is a request that as we leave, that we would leave different. That we would leave understanding a little bit more of who you are. So Jesus, would you be the authority tonight? In the name I pray, amen. All right, so we see the power that he promised the disciples here, right? He, he gives that to them. And this power is going to reveal their purpose. The power that he gives, he's going to reveal their purpose. And it's also going to reveal our purpose. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a believer in the gospel, we too are disciples of Christ. Just like the 12, we also are disciples. And the same power and the same purpose that's revealed to his 12 right here in this moment uh, are, is also the same power and the same purpose that he gives us today in this moment, which means everything that we talk about tonight, we can see happen. Right? Everything that the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, about what God does, we too, in this moment, tonight, in our lifetime, in our, mo in our daily life, we can also experience the same power and the same purpose. It says his power will be revealed 
will reveal our purpose and his plan for us. So here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, I don't know if you guys take notes, but I, I, I try to take notes whenever I'm not teaching. So the first thing that we're going to look through this is the power that is promised, right? Power is promised. So I don't know if you've ever had a promise made to you. Has anybody ever, ever anybody had a promise made? Or you say, yeah, okay. So I've had a lot of promises made to me. Uh, especially becoming a husband, right? If you stand before your bride and, 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 or your groom and you, and you make those vows, you're making a promise, right? In that relationship. And then you have kids. I don't know if anybody has kids or not, but like I've got two. Uh, and it's, you make a lot of promises as a parent. Um, and I, makes me respect the Lord a lot more because he keeps his promises. I struggle sometimes. Uh, but growing up, my parents made a lot of promises to me. And, Sometimes, unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes they, most of the time they actually kept them specific, specifically one. I didn't do well in school. I didn't, I don't talk well. I don't, I don't, this is, this is a work of art for me. Like if I can get up here and make sense, we're, we're good, right? Um, I didn't do well. And so to encourage me, my parents would always have some kind of, uh, incentive, right? And so, uh, as a kid, I liked G.I. Joe. And one of them had this crazy gnarly haircut, and he had a mohawk, right? And so, if, is it, guys, you guys ever had a mohawk growing up? Do you guys ever, anybody ever get wild about that and cut them out? Okay, cool. This is just, just me. All right, awesome. Um, the grades weren't great, and my, you know, I, but I wanted a mohawk, just like this, this, this action figure. And so I told my parents, I said, hey, can I get my haircut this way this summer? And they're like, well, your grades aren't great, so let's do this. If you will take your C's and turn them to B's, and if you can get, if you can turn at least one of those B's into an A minus, not an A. Not an A plus. I'm just asking for the letter, right? Let's just get closer to the front of the alphabet here, okay? Uh, and if you'll do that, I promise you can get a mohawk this summer. Dude, when my parents said that word, I thought, man, if they're promising me this, like this, I gotta make this happen because they've given me their word. They've promised me a mohawk. And so this is what happened. Dude, I'm telling you, man. And that's like, that's, Oh, shoot. That ain't even the best one. And I know it probably from your angle probably just looks like alfalfa. Okay. But I promise there's a mohawk there. And for whatever reason, like that is atrocious and it's r- ridiculous. I right, take it down. It's really embarrassing. But, um, as the years went on, for some reason, the next summer I, w- I did it again. And I don't know, I don't know why I was humiliated enough. But if you got, if you got kids, man, I'll tell you right now, uh, if you got a boy, you've got a son, man, or a girl, who knows? Let's, Throw it out there, right? If your kid wants a mohawk or, or they want to paint their hair purple, man, parents, let them do it, right? Because you get an opportunity to teach them what a promise is, <laughs> whether they want it or not, right? When they really get up to the plate, I thought, I tried to back out and they're like, no, this is what you wanted. We're going to do it, you know? Um, but then for the next rest of their life, you get to humiliate them with photos uh, like, like this one. So, but Man, he makes a promise right out of the gate. This book, the stage is being set, the number one game changer of all time. The Holy Spirit is promised to us. The apostles, yes, they lead, right? If you continue to look through the book of Acts, they are the ones who are doing the work. Their hands, their feet, they're the ones that are meeting in their home. They're the ones that are, that are gathering. But it's through the Holy Spirit that those things are happening. The Holy Spirit is the catalyst. It's the fuel that's moving the disciples. Nothing in the book of Acts happens outside of the Holy Spirit. Nothing outside of the Holy Spirit without, uh, without him, nothing happens. We have to understand that, that the church, not Oasis, not the Bridge Fellowship, the church, the collective church, does not exist, cannot do anything without the Holy Spirit. He is the difference. He is the game changer. He is the one who comes in and says, hey, I'm gonna use you. You're gonna be the vessel. I'm gonna do it through you, but you can't do it without me. 
So at Oasis, my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit will be welcomed here. That the Holy Spirit will be a place and that this is something we talk about. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't shy away from that. We don't apologize for that. But yet we welcome him here because he's the one who changes lives. He's the one who rescues souls. Man, there's so many people who are desperate for truth. So many people who lack hope, they just want life. They're discouraged. We talked about it this morning or tonight as, as Clint introduced everything. Man, we're just, we're broken, we're lost, we're confused. And as a church, like we want to help them. But if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do the work through us, we can't do anything for them. We have to allow, we cannot neglect the power. We cannot ignore the Spirit. Verse seven, the disciples basically asked Jesus this question. They're, they're, they're confused because he's saying, hey, I got to leave, right? Um, I'm, I'm not coming back right now. I've got to leave. I'm going to give you some help. I'm going to come back later, but I'm, I'm out of here. And so they're like, hey, so when, when are you going to like actually finish this whole thing? When are you going to put all of this together? When are you going to have like total rule and total victory? And Jesus says, this isn't a political victory because the disciples saw this as a, as a like he was going to come in and defeat Rome. He was going to come in and, and, and fix things politically and, and, and economically, right? They saw Jesus saying, I'm going to come save everything from a perspective of, of worldly things. And Jesus says, no, no, my victory is eternal, right? I, I'm here to fix the soul. I'm here to fix eternal things. But notice how Jesus responds to them. He, does, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, it doesn't roast him right here, but he says, hey, I don't need you to get caught up in the timing, right? I don't need you to worry or f- get fixed on that. What I need you to do is, is, is hear what I just told you. I need you to focus on the mission. I need you to let me handle the things that I handle. Let, let the father handle the things that he will handle. And until I come back, I need you to fulfill what I've called you to do. So the disciples thought this was all wrapping up right here, that this was the moment. As he ascends to heaven, that it was all gonna be over. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's not ending. Boys, we're just getting started. <laughs> right? I'm about to give you the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and then your life's gonna have purpose and we're not finishing things right now. We're starting things. So Jesus says, in order for you to be world changers, in order for you as believers to be unparalleled leaders, right? Fishermen, tax collectors, people that hated you, they're going to see and be led by you. And if you want to be that, if you want to see the world be changed through you, if you are going to become unparalleled leaders, I have to leave. Man, they had zero comprehension of what Jesus was talking about. But they, they were so confused. Their minds were, were not understanding. It was not computing. How are you, the one who's been doing miracles, the one who's been proving and showing and revealing this of yourself and what you can do and what you can bring in this power, how are you, if you're leaving, are we going to do that? Because you're the one that's been doing it so far. And that's why the first word of verse 8 is so important. Look at verse 8. But, see, I, I'm leaving. But you will receive power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, there's no greater need upon the church today. There's no greater need upon the church today than the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Look back at verse two of this. this. Now, Now remember, this is the resurrected Jesus, right? Look at verse two, the resurrected Jesus, the one who defeated the grave. 
the one who ascended out of the grave and is now fellowshipping with his believers and is about to leave the earth. This Jesus says this in verse two, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands, what's the next word? Through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus in post-resurrection is still fully expectant, fully reliant on the Spirit. Man, if the person of Jesus relies on the Holy Spirit, how much more should we? Right? If Jesus himself says, I, I don't even do anything without the Spirit, man, who are we to believe that we can do this on our own? My marriage, it's tough. It's not going great. My end, the Holy Spirit can restore that. The power of the Holy Spirit can restore your marriage. Your child, it's... Growing up, not really listening. They're prodigals. They've run away. It hurts you. It breaks you. You're not sure what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit can reconcile that relationship. The Holy Spirit can bring that child home. Your job, it's overwhelming. You you feel like you should pick your two weeks in notice. Your job might think they need to give you two weeks or they're going to fire you. The Holy Spirit will bring you rest. Man, you don't know my hurt. Man, I don't. I'm a guest here. I don't know what you're going through. I don't even know your names. The Holy Spirit knows your name. The Holy Spirit knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows your brokenness. He knows what you're walking through. And he'll bring revival. He revives. (laughs) The best efforts in our own will will always fail. He's the game changer. Man, I don't know how long that you've sat in here, but if you've paid attention a little bit, I don't, I don't know if you understand what's gone on in the last year and a half, but the only reason that Oasis, the only reason this church has gotten as far as it has gotten is because of the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, let me introduce you to, to church world a little bit. Uh, when, when Clint told me that he was gonna plant a church, I was excited. I was excited for them. I was excited, I was excited to be his friend and say, man, my, my, my friends are going to start a church. It's going to be incredible. I was, I was excited to tell people to be here. But then pandemic happens, right? Then COVID occurs and the world shuts down. And Clint's like, yeah, but I think God, I mean, he's, he's, he's still moving and, and he's called to do this and, and he's in it. So we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to find a way. If you start a church in the middle of a pandemic, if you start a church, like starting online and then move to in person, and there's people in a room, I'll tell you right now, it is only because of the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, man, you work hard. If you're serving, if you're part of the team, yes, thank you, right? On behalf of Clint and Stephanie, you guys are the ones that are gonna do it. You're the ones who are gonna meet people in the grocery store and invite them to Oasis. You are the ones who have to be the hands and feet to open the door to smile, to greet people, to welcome them in. Clint and Stephanie have to be the ones that put in the work to prepare, to teach, and to lead. Don't, don't give up to that. Don't get weary in that. And if you, to, to not do so, you have to remember, it is not because Clint's a phenomenal pastor. It is not because they're amazing leaders. It's not because they're the most relational people I've ever met. It's not because you can hold a door open. It's not because you can say, hide to somebody in the grocery store and invite them to church and they'll show up because you did so. It's only because of the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is how this happens. So 
my encouragement to you is keep serving. Continue to love people. Continue to seek God because the Holy Spirit is not to be ignored. Right? He is the one that's making an impact through you. What, what will happen in Oasis here in this church this year? I mean, if you can, if the Holy Spirit can use you guys to start a church now in the middle of a moment that the world would say, don't do anything new. And if the Holy Spirit is present now, what more will he do as things continue to flourish? And the more that you say, hey, we talked about an audacious faith, but that's who we are as Oasis. Like that's, that's a core value of Oasis is to have an audacious faith. Clint was up here encouraging the team before we started tonight. Man, as a church, you want to you know what an audacious faith looks like? It's to say, hey, dude, we've got, we've got 50 people in a room during a pandemic. What's that going to look like in three months? The more that I continue to love people in this community, the more that I say, hey, it's not because of me. I'm going to grow weary, but I'm not, not going to let the world tell me that I'm tired because the Holy Spirit is working and he's moving and I get to be a part of it and I cannot wait to see what he does. There's, there's no better time than right now to be a part of Oasis. There's no better time than right now to be a part of the body of Christ. He's, his power is promised to us. And then his purpose is revealed. Our purpose is revealed. Oasis exists so that people can know God, find freedom, and discover their purpose and to make a difference. Right. Who this church is, one of those pieces is to discover their purpose. You don't know what it looks like to discover your purpose? Look at Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit reveals our purpose. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea, Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, the power in verse 8 is explicitly connected to the purpose. Okay, the power is given to the church. That power must result in witness. The power that he gives the church must result in the witness of the church. I realize a lot of times, sometimes we take that text, right? If you you know that text, you understand what it means. He's saying, hey, Jerusalem, it's right here. We start right where we are, and then we're going to move our way out. And And I totally understand that. Because sometimes I don't even know like where the 50 states are, let alone their capitals, right? So where is Jerusalem, okay? Where is Judea? What is Samaria? That's hard to understand sometimes when you talk to people about sharing Christ. So the concept and the idea of start here and move out, we all understand. But if that's where we stop, we will wildly, wildly miss the emotions and the perplexed minds of what the disciples were thinking when Jesus said this. Because here's the deal, Jerusalem, Right? Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples when Jesus says, hey, you will be my witness. The purpose, your call is to be my witness in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, like right outside this door where they just killed you a couple days ago? Like that's where you want me to start? You look at Judea, right? They'd already tried there. They'd been rejected. Samaria, sometimes we think of, you know, the good Samaritan, right? Samarians, they're, they're good people, right? Samaritan's purse, the good Samaritan, we all know that story. Yo, that's because Jesus changed that for us because he was who he is. Samaritans were half-breeds. When they, they, like nobody wanted them. You would go out of your way to avoid them. And yet Jesus right here says, hey, 
um, instead of avoiding them, right, you want us to go out of our way to go meet them? Well, everybody else goes around him, and he says, yeah, I want you to go love them. And then he says, go to the ends of the earth. The earth, everybody else, Gentiles. Bro, do you know what those guys eat? They're not like me. You want me to go share your message. You want me to witness and share the truth of you to everybody else that's not like me, that's different than me? Yes, you got it. Perfect. That's the purpose. He reveals that to us. Hmm. See, the words of Jesus that he was using there to describe that was not only spiritually, but also ethnically unheard of, right? It was preposterous for him to say those things. It didn't make sense to them. But look at verse eight. He says, you will reveal the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness. Not you must be my witness, right? Not, not if it's a good time. Like this isn't an imperative, right? This is, this is not a command. It's an identity, Right, if we're a believer in the gospel of Jesus, right, if, if you believe that he died on a cross for us, he defeated death, right? if that is your life, if you believe that, this is supposed to be our identity. Jesus says, you will be the power and you will be my witness. One leads to the other. You cannot have one without the other. So if we truly receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot help but witness. Right? It, it is part of who we are to witness, to be that. It's a, it's a statement of a fact. Our purpose is to share the power of the Spirit and the person of Jesus with every individual that we meet, with our very life. Not that we go shove the Bible down their throat, but that we should love them because Jesus loved us. He's changed our life. See, a lot of us are scared to witness. This is, this is where it's good to be a guest because I can just say this and leave. <laughs> but if you're a believer... This is where it gets tough for us because now I'm asking you to go do something. Now I'm asking you to go be the church. Now I'm asking you to go invite people into this place to experience the same revelation that you experienced with Jesus. But sometimes we don't want to witness because we're scared to, right? We're comfortable. We don't care enough to witness. That one's tough, but that's the truth. Some of us just don't care enough. We don't have an urgency. There's never been a better time to witness Think about eternity. When, 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 when you think of eternity, or when you look at somebody you know is lost or you, or you don't know if they're lost, instead of looking at their problems in their life that's different than you, let's, let's have a perspective with eternity stamped on our eyeballs and say, man, where are they headed? And know the difference between where you're going and where they're going and say, I've got to love on those people because I don't want them to go where they're headed. Mm. I think some of us have also this excuse that we don't know enough to witness, which is crazy because the people who say they don't, have, they don't know enough to witness it's people who've been believers for a long time. Like they're, they're aged believers. And they say, well, I don't witness. I don't talk about it because I don't know enough. Right? I don't know enough scripture. I don't know enough about Jesus. So I just, I don't think I should be the one that talks about it. Has Jesus radically changed your life? Then you have enough. You have a story. You have your life, your testimony. Share your story, right? We're reading the story of others. Share yours. I mean, the excuse that we don't know enough is garbage. That excuse is lazy, Look at, look at the life of a new believer, a new convert. Man, what do they do? They don't know a lot of the answers, but they have a new passion, right? They have a new drive. They have power. Their life now has purpose. And if you watch a new believer, dude, they don't care. 
Man, they are on fire. Hey, dude, what's your name? John, John's nice to meet you, man. Hey, I don't know if you're new to this area, but I, I, I'm, I'm not new to this area, but like something's changed in my life and Jesus has radically changed my life. And I'm going to go to this new church called Oasis. It's incredible. God's doing crazy things. I, I'd love for you to join me. What are you doing on Sunday nights? Right? They don't care. Well, tell me about it. Well, I, I'm, I'm new too. Right? I don't really know what they're doing. Like, all I know is that I was there the other day and God changed my life and he's doing crazy cool things and his word's teaching me and the Bible's teaching me and we're worshiping together. It's incredible. I've never had a greater purpose in my life. Right? That should be our life. That should be what all Christ followers do. Man, you know enough because you have a story. Share your story. Share the truth. He reveals, this power is promised. He reveals our purpose and then he sets into motion the plan. Look at, Verse nine, he says, when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. Right, Jesus, this is him ascending. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Then this Jesus who had taken up into heaven has come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So these two angels show up, right? Jesus ascends immediately immediately two angels show up and say, hey, what are y'all looking at? What are you doing? And they're like, well, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but like, uh, he just left, okay? Like a cloud came down, his feet physically left the ground, he floated, like I'm not watching a squirrel cross the road here, like he, he, just, he just left. What do you mean, what am I? Hey, don't worry about how he's gonna come back. He told you he was coming back. He told you he was gonna come back the same way he left. How did Jesus leave? Physically in the presence of believers and through the clouds. He will also return from heaven physically in the presence of people. He says, you don't have time to wait for him. Stop gazing at clouds and start going to share the purpose and the witness and, and, and the objective that God has given you, which is to be witnesses in where? Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Go do what he's asked you to do. Is it wrong for us to long for the return of Christ? No. No, we should. We should long for the return of Christ. I've got two kids. I promise you, I long for the return of Christ, right? Man, if there's ever been a day that I'm ready for Christ to come back, it's now. It is right now because I, I, I need him. But here's the thing. How, how do we do this? What is the best way for us to get ready for his return? What is the one thing that we can do to prepare for the return of Christ? It's to get busy doing what he's called us to do which is to share the gospel. Here's what I wanna close with tonight. How do we leave here this evening? I, I wanna give you a goal. I wanna give you a challenge. Right? And it's, it's practical. It's, it's, it's nothing crazy. We're gonna start small and then I'll let Clint take off from here. But I want you to consider something. I actually want you to consider somebody. Who is the individual in your life? And life being work, Maybe it's somebody you work with two cubicles over. Maybe, maybe it's somebody that you meet at a restaurant consistently because you're one of those people who have routine and you eat at the same restaurant every day. For some of us, it might be somebody that shares the same roof as us. But who is the individual that you know does not know Christ? Or who is the person you know that needs to experience the power of the Holy Spirit? pray for them. As we leave here this evening, 
Let that be our goal. I, I want all of us to make it our prayer, to pray differently, to speak differently, to love differently. I mean, there are people here, and a lot of us, the person you're thinking of is this person that are hard to love. The person that we, are, we struggle sharing our faith with is somebody that's hard to love. And you want to know that the Holy Spirit is moving in your life? Is, is when, when you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you power to love somebody that you've tried to love your whole life and you just can't. I promise you, if, if, you, will, if you will ask the Holy Spirit, if you'll ask God to give you that power, you will find yourself loving somebody that you've tried to love your whole life. And you're going to be like, why do I like that person right now? Like, why do I actually care? Like, why is my why is something changing towards that individual? Because you've asked him to give that to you. This is, this is what I want us to write down. Three things. Make these your prayer. Ask him to give you a greater love for him. Ask God to give you a greater love for God. Ask him to give you a greater love for his church, right? For, for believers, Ask God to give you a power to love other Christians. But also the next one, that he would give you a greater love for the lost. And that's his will, right? That is God's will for us. So I pray that he would answer that not only in my life, but also in, in yours. And, and that he would give us a supernatural ability to love those people that we can't love on our own. His power reveal our purpose and his plan for our life. And that is to go and witness the gospel of Jesus. Would you stand with me tonight as we pray? Uh, as, we be, as we begin to ask him to reveal that to us. This is something how we close our services at the bridge. And so it's, sorry if that's weird for you. You don't have to stand if it's weird, but it's like everybody's standing. So let me pray for us tonight. God, thank you for just an opportunity that Clint has given me to, to, to share a little bit of these things that are on my heart. God, I believe that you have given us something that, that even the disciples uh, only got to experience for a, little, for a little bit. And you've given us the power of the Holy Spirit. God, man, we begin to believe what we possess. God, would you begin to reveal the power that you have given us through the Holy Spirit. May we begin to allow you to move through us, to see miracles occur, continue to happen. God, I pray for Oasis. God, there's an opportunity that I have just to, to love this church. God, I pray that you would uh, allow them to have an audacious faith. I pray that people would come in here, they would, they would learn who you are, they would know about you. God, I pray that you would allow them to make a difference. God, I pray that you would allow them to discover their purpose, not only as an individual, but that as a church, collectively, as they begin to see you move in their own life and to see what, you're, what you wanna do in their families and in their homes, that that would come together and that you would be able to move as a church. Jesus, would you receive praise tonight? In my prayer, amen.